welcome to the Akaba Home Financial Freedom Mastermind Group. I am so excited to join you here on this Wednesday at the end of March. We are heading into April and there's so many exciting things happening with the Akaba Home team. I'm just pumped and really thrilled about hitting this second quarter hard. But this is going to be another open session. We've got a couple guests lined up for April, but I wanted to just jump on tonight and see what you guys are working on and what I can help with and also the rest of the group can help with. So please feel free to jump in, chime in, go ahead and hit us in the chat and we'll kind of go from there. Robbie, what's up, man? Okay, so this is a good question. What are your thoughts on the direction of interest rates in the next few months? And so I think we all know that the Fed has been pretty serious about increasing the interest rates over the last few months, and really we can call it close to a year. And they've effectively poured cold water on the housing market across the nation. Now, there's certain cities that are still, you know, it's still kind of heating up, especially for the prime properties, Atlanta being one of them. But when you look at the interest rates and kind of what I personally believe over the next couple of months, we'll see, I'll see the, I believe that the next time we're going to see the Fed do another quarter point hike, and then that they're going to leave it steady, right? I think they're going to leave it steady for a couple months. And depending on what happens with the banks and kind of the rest of the economy, not real estate related, that that's going to affect the direction of, of kind of where we go in the future. But at the rate that we're at, which is pretty high, I think I just had a client close on our primary residence at 6.25, which is still pretty high, that they have plenty of room to reduce it back to that 5% if we do fall into a deeper type of recession. And I think that'll happen at some point late this year or very early next year. And so I'm looking at all my properties and, and, and trying to continue to acquire more, especially right now, right after I get my taxes done. The first step that I'm going for is to purchase another house hack and then refinance that once rates hit, you know, about a 5% level. And one interesting thing I wanted to talk about today is actually just went live with booking.com across the board last week. And we've got our first couple of bookings. And it's been incredible so far. And so this is a platform that I was nervous about and many of you know, but we were able to get some software called AutoHost, which we've talked about previously and kind of pair those two up. And what it's allowed us to do is remove a lot of the restrictions from the booking. And so now we're really allowing anybody to book instantly, but on the back end, we're running background checks, we're getting security deposits off platform, and we're doing all this through AutoHost to verify that somebody truly is who they are and that we do have security deposits in case they do something to the houses. And I can tell you that we actually had a case this weekend where a guest that didn't have any reviews had a security deposit on file with us for about $250 based on their risk profile. And they left the house. The house was fine, cleanliness, things of that nature, but they had put a hole in the wall. I'm not sure from what, but it was basically a drywall hole in the wall that we had to get patched and fixed. And instead of having to go through the whole Airbnb piece to say, hey, you know, this is the pictures, here goes a receipt, here goes the documents, we were able to just take it from their security deposit. I think it cost us like, I don't know, a little over a hundred to get it fixed. So we took that piece from the security deposit, we mentioned that piece on there and returned the rest to them. And it kind of was a lot more seamless doing that as opposed to trying to fight Airbnb at times for a refund. One other nugget I'll share. And this was a recent adjustment that we made. 
When you look at the monthly and weekly discounts, this is something that on the platforms before we weren't taking seriously, right? We were putting, hey, weekly discount, maybe 10%, monthly discount, maybe 15%. I recently went through and adjusted all those. Now that we have the auto host in place to really allow for longer bookings, but to have an agreement signed that makes it clear that, hey, we're going to get this back and also a security deposit on pile. And went through and changed all that this morning. And literally in less than like two hours, we got a 31 day booking for one of the properties where the person is, it's more like a company booking it on the behalf of somebody. So they didn't have any reviews, but it's fine because they're signing documents and we've got a security deposit on file. And then we got two week booking from someone else who has something happening with insurance. And so that's one piece to take a look at. If you haven't already, look at what you have for your weekly and your monthly discounts. And beast that a little bit if you have it below what Airbnb is recommending. And the reason it makes sense on the back end is one, you're saving a lot on cleaning fees, right? So where you could have on average four cleanings in a month, now you're only going to have that one, right? And you're still getting somebody in there for that full time, which makes your place even more desirable, pushes you up in the rankings once it does become available and kind of helps all encompassing. Alpha, welcome to the call, man. Super good. Super good. Running around man, per usual, going? but all good things, man. What about you? Oh, man, everything's going okay. Um, I have a couple of updates. I know it's kind of dark in here. Be fasting for Ramadan, so I finished nice. what I just kind Is of that sunset? Eight o'clock? Eight o'clock to eat, so. Okay. Yeah, it's around eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to learn to kind of get some food. Yes. I do have a quick update on the tree that fell on my house. Yeah, so I probably spent about a month just calling around, contacting lawyers, and no one would really take my case because there was no personal injury. So a lot of them would just be like, oh, we can't really take that. It's not within our vicinity of work. Or they would say, we don't come mm-hmm. to that area of Atlanta. Most of them were like in North Atlanta. I finally found somebody to take it today. They kind of, and a lot of times people won't even call you back, but they finally called me back today. And they said that they could take the case and they do a lot of tree cases. They said that if the tree is dead, I should be fine. We should definitely be able to get the insurance paid for it. Mm-hmm. It might take a couple of months, which is unfortunate. But I did want to ask you, he said, if it goes to trial, they take about, you know, if it settles, about 35%. And if it goes to trial, about 40% which I never had a little case like this. I thought that was pretty high. And say that one more so time. I'm not you sure if it goes to trial, that. 40%. For... And then if, if it goes to, to court, basically 40% of the, the settlement they take. And if it settles, 35%, which is like quite a lot. Like say we only win like 10, 12,000 and they take four or $5,000. I might still come out of pocket paying for this. So, so that was unfortunate. And he said that I need to first get a quote for every single part of the house that was damaged and then get a tree expert to come look at it and say that it's dead. And I called about five other companies. Say, I finally found a company that actually had a tree expert. And they told me it was 175. It's about five to six weeks before they come out. And I'm like, damn. So I'm probably going to spend Friday on my day off kind of calling most of for a little bit earlier. I kind of want to ask you, what do you think about that 35, 40%? Does that sound fair or is that 
probably a little bit too much. Like I said, I did struggle. There's many ways that they can take it, right? There's some lawyers that will take a retainer and will just charge you hourly for the work that they're doing. It sounds like these guys are not going to charge you up front and that they're going to take it on the back end. Is that Mm -hmm. right? So yes, yeah. if they're taking it on the back end, then that yeah, is that's what I believe. you know pretty normal. I've unfortunately had to use lawyers in the past before, and we've done the retainer method, and that can add up quickly, right? Where you have to put down X amount, and then you know lawyers can charge mm-hmm. anywhere from three hundred to you know eight hundred an hour, depending on what they're doing. And it sounds like they're trying to put a little more of that work on you as well, because typically when you do the retainer portion, they're the ones that are going to be calling in all the experts yeah. and kind of getting people going. This is one where it's almost like, you know what, this this is almost like if you were to kind of switching it over to like a realtor, right? So there's companies like Redfin, I'm trying to think of the other ones, but companies like Redfin where they have realtors on site and on deck and those realtors, if they're going to sell your house, they're only going to charge you a 1% yeah. fee, right? So you're like, man, I'm saving, you know, 2% because total commission would be like 6%. But if they're only taking 1% and they're only charging you 4%, so it's like, man, I'm saving 2%. But yeah. well, what are they actually doing for you? Literally, they're going to have you doing everything. They're not going to be following up with agents. They're not going to be doing open houses, any of that stuff. They're just going to get it listed on the MLS and kind of just step aside and let that thing go and not negotiate anything for you and try to get you more dollars. Whereas if you have a realtor where they've got that 3% coming to them of the 6%, they're going to be out there hustling for you. And so that's kind of the difference between the two law pieces. This one, they will take it to court for you and things of that nature, but they're going to put the illness on you to go and do the legwork, pay the professionals. They're not going to come out of pocket for any of that. And if you pull together enough evidence where it looks good, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go try the case. And if we win the case, we'll take, you know, X amount from you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. That's kind of what, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I think that's kind of what they're going with, which I was like, Thought it'd be like twenty, maybe twenty five percent, but I thought forty percent was 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 pretty high because I, I still haven't gotten a true estimate. Insurance did tell me around seven thousand, but I think that's after my deductible. It's like twenty five hundred. That makes it around like ten thousand. But yeah, the tree is still there. Obviously, it's off my house. Still got the rooftop on it, but I'm still kind of trying to figure that portion out. But we did make some progress. But I just am fully realizing that if it takes six weeks to see the tree expert. And then from there, they start contacting, sending a letter to, and this might take until like 2024, which is like pretty long to leave the hole in my roof and not try to use, I don't want to use that second. I already had the first insurance claims. I don't want to use that second one and kind of, you know, have two and six months and next, you know, all of my rates jump up because somebody else, not diversity investor, she was telling me that. So. But yeah, that's kind of an update on that that I got today. And other than that, I'm still contacting contractors for other things and getting pricing and still trying to, still a couple of issues here and there, just trying to knock out those things and hoping to kind of hopefully get all the issues done what's, with this house. What's the cost the roughly? Because so that's insurance costs, right? But what's the cost from other people on the roof repair? So I've had three roof people look at it. Every time somebody comes, they just tell me you should use insurance. And I think when I tell them I'm not using insurance, they get discouraged because <laughs> they realize they might not get as much money as they could come. I was like, yeah, I want to get a call from you guys. I might use insurance. I'll probably not because I already had a claim. So I have not been able to get a claim, like an actual quote from somebody. I'm going to focus more on it now since I don't know I need it for the law case. But I have not gotten one yet. That's been clear. I just get like rough estimates of like $7,000, like 
Like, well, how much? And the problem is too is the work is more than one discipline because it's like the roof got hit, but then the frame got hit, some of the sheetrock got hit, the door got hit, the windows got hit. So it's not unless it's a really good GC, it's gonna be more than one discipline. And yeah, and then you know you call contractors and be like, yeah, I can be there in two weeks. And if you don't call them the day before, they don't. You gotta stay on them. Something that I learned, like you just have to follow up on. Yeah, and it's 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 a lot because like I got that going on, and I'm still trying to figure out some of the plumbing issues, and then I have the stuff with Lupe and the wall. So like it's a lot of different contractors, and then you know I have life going on. So sometimes I just this week I'm just not gonna call. Yeah, nobody. that's fair. And, and with that piece, but, yeah. right? Because when I look at that, that it's it's a small section. It's not the whole roof. It's just a small section of the roof. So it's not even. That's not even like the. No, it's not the roof. Yeah, man. Small it's, you almost need somebody who's quote unquote a jack of all trades. Did you talk to? Did I give you Lenny the roofer? Yeah. No, you did not. Yeah, um, yeah your yeah, guy yeah. did come yesterday. What's his name? Alex. Yes, he came and he gave. He's going to give me a quote. Probably got a quote. He came yesterday. He's going to give me a quote to remove the wall because Lupe doesn't do drywall for the foundation stuff. So he give me a quote to remove the wall. And then he said, no, he did give me a quote. He said, basically, I'll pay for the materials. And then he will remove it, put it back, sand it, and paint it for nine fifty. Yeah, it's not bad. So I do have two other people that should be coming and doing that. And I also need to change out my floors. Again, to so that point, ask, I'm hoping ask to get Alex. All he's three literally, he's, 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 he's a, he's a GC that could do all. He literally is doing a whole basement yeah. for... Like like a whole like a whole project, and he, I think he could do some roofing too. I would ask him like, "Hey man, you gave me the quote on this piece. What if we had added flooring and a little bit of this roof piece to it to see what his quote would be?" Yeah, yeah. I think he looked at the roof too. And I asked him for a quote. Like I said, I wasn't more stern with it. Like I need a quote, so he didn't really tell me like what his quote will be. Because I know you got to come in there and look at pictures and stuff like that. But he, he looked at it and I'll probably get with Alex to see if what, what he could do. But yeah, I'm looking for the forward to the quote for the for the floors too and the wall. Lupe gave me her quote and then kind of hopefully when tax season comes Dude, out. Dude, this is all write-offs, man. You're going to get write-offs right for last year, write-offs for this year. It's tough in the moment, yeah. but you, you're making this place bulletproof for when you move out. Yeah. You're going to be able to put somebody down there and know like, hey, man, this place is rock solid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I asked for that GC for the kitchen last week because I realized it's because it has those gaps behind the drawers that it just didn't put right. And that's how the water mm-hmm. got under the floors. So I'm going to try to get that fixed up too. Okay. Yeah, kind of how were the, how are the bookings lining up? I know, I think you, you had like a longer booking last yeah. time. Oh, yeah. The booking's been good, man. Even so, I think I had like back to back bookings for the past two weeks. For the first time today, I did not have a booking. So then my cleaner, I guess something happened. She said, can I just come tomorrow? I said, yeah. And of course, I got a booking for the three-day gap that I had to reject. And I'm like, damn. But I have, like I said, I have some contractors coming in tomorrow. I have somebody coming in that should be able to do deep cleans every six months. Kind of get under the couch, wipe down the fans, kind of do all of that. Little stuff the cleaners don't get to do. So like, it's fine. But yeah, the bookings have been coming in good. Nice. I do. Desmond did set up my booking.com. Yeah, I haven't got no bookings from there yet, so I am going to talk to him maybe later on, maybe next week about putting on some of those promotions. And I increased my pricing last week back up to like oh, yeah. $88 minimum. I'm trying to get to that $100 minimum. I think that's the place for me. So, yeah, the bookings have been coming in, especially when my 
minimum price like at seventy five dollars, like I think about eighty five percent booking rate. So the one thing about this property, mm-hmm. Airbnb is that's worth. dope. That's dope. I just opened up the booking.com for all the yeah. properties that, that we had go live with it. And we got our first guest checking in actually right now, which is awesome. And the auto host piece, man, it's been okay. pretty seamless. Like uh, to be able to have, you know, that verification and security deposit, mm-hmm. we actually just used it for one guest over the weekend where it was somebody that didn't have any reviews that normally we would decline. But we accepted because now they got to sign an agreement. There's been a little bit of pushback on like, hey, like, what is this? But we found ways Mm -hmm. around that. And AutoHost kind of helps you with that. And Airbnb Mm -hmm. backed us up with that because they're like, yeah, you you followed all the rules. You put this in your house rules saying, hey, this is going to happen. And so long story short, we collected a security deposit for like $250 for somebody. Mm -hmm. And they left the place fine, except for a hole in the wall, right? Like it looked like like somebody punched a hole in the wall. Of course, they didn't say anything. But we were able to, instead of having to go back and forth and get yeah. receipts and all this stuff, we just had our guy go out there and fix it. It cost a little bit over a hundred with, with materials plus time and sanding and painting. And we took it from the security deposit and returned the rest. And it was like seamless, right? No arguments. You know, it's like, hey, we already have the security deposit. Yeah. So starting to like this thing. Okay. That's good. That's good. I know that's always an issue. I had a guest that kept driving on my grass and I submitted a... $95 to kind of get it refixed up and they destroyed like some of the light lanterns that I had up. And then they gave me a one star review. So I was arguing with Airbnb to try to get that removed and they didn't allow it, even though I kind of explained it to a manager. So I know. And then the next day I just didn't even charge them. So like, I don't even want to go through the headache of arguing to get the money. Yeah. It's always something that you got to be, you know, aware of and things of that nature. That's why I'm more and more trying to shift as many people as we can to direct, right? As many people as we can shift into direct and start to get platforms Mm -hmm. like, you know, booking.com going, which is more international travelers and even VRBO. Oh, also one thing, I don't know, like what, what type of discounts do you normally give for a weekly or a monthly booking on Airbnb? I think I'm probably giving like, I know it's less than 10%. It's probably like 6% for a weekly and then 10% for a monthly, mainly because my prices are already so close to my break-even point that it's hard for me to get any lower. Fair enough. Once you get up to like that $100 mark, do you think you could give a little more of a discount? Maybe. Like I said, the the mortgage is about $2,400. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath. So hypothetically, you need about... Just to cover utilities, about twenty eight days at a hundred dollars a day. So I think a hundred really is my my break even point to where I could actually You're say free? the house is. What is it called? Living for free. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, I'm living for free, and maybe I add a little bit extra for like repairs and stuff. But I need about twenty eight hundred just to kind of hit that point where it pays for itself. And so yeah. it depends. It depends. And that's right now. And that's fair. The, the, so maybe. what I was struggling with is we had <laughs> something similar. We were doing like 10% mm-hmm. for weekly and 15% for monthly, but you know, Airbnb always recommends a lot higher. And so we started to think through like even just the cleaning. Yeah. Tips. Like, Hey, if you had five cleanings in the month, but now you reduce that down to one cleaning, you could add the rest of that onto a discount and get bookings, right? Like longer bookings to where it's like, Hey, somebody's going to take that whole, piece. And so just made that changes like this morning across the board to a couple properties to increase the weekly and monthly discounts. And like almost immediately after we did that, we got a booking for 
31 days at a little over like four grand, right? Now, typically before that would have been like five grand, but it's a bigger house that Mm -hmm. costs, I want to say like 200 per clean, something like that. And so, you know, when you take out three of the cleans in a month, it kind of makes sense. It's like, all right, this, this is pretty good. Yeah. How do you do your, so how I basically do every time I get a booking, I get my cleaning fee that essentially goes to the cleaner. So I guess you're not thinking yeah, of it so, like so you're if thinking the cleaning, of the cleaning fee, fee has if the income. cleaning cost costs like two hundred dollars, we'll call it right for like a bigger house. We charge two twenty five. But what I'm saying is, mm-hmm. uh, typically on average each month, you're probably going to do mm-hmm. you know what four or five cleanings if you average it out across the months. But if you have somebody staying for thirty days, now you're eliminating four of those cleaning yeah. fees that you normally would have to pay out. So that's an expense that's gone. You know, so you're really just getting the money coming in. If that makes any sense, because when you factor in your cleaning fees, it's like all right. That takes a little bit of the income away. That's kind of how I go about it. Let's see what you mean. But any other questions or comments from anybody that's online? I see Kareem. I work with Price Labs for pricing. Is it safe to set a minimum stay for weekends to be four days? Four days. Starting to see a decline in weekdays. Alpha, what are your thoughts on that? A four-day minimum stay for your weekends? So Honestly, I don't know if it can work in practice. I do have a minimum two days on my Friday and Saturday because I don't like when people book my Friday or Saturday by itself because typically the other day can't get booked. I don't think it's a bad idea, but I don't know how it works in practice. Like I said, you know, most people like to book that Friday and Saturday for the most part is always booked, no matter how bad your Airbnb is, especially in Atlanta. So it's a lot of people coming in Friday night and leaving Sunday. But if you do a four-day booking, that means you can only get those travelers coming in from Thursday to Sunday. Maybe like a Tuesday to Friday or a Saturday to Tuesday. It just kind of limits the flexibility and the type of customer you can get. But I'm not too sure. I think you can experiment it if you can afford Paisley taking a loss for a little bit. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely doing during hot season. I do exactly what you said. The two day minimum for Thursday through Saturday, right? To make sure if somebody's booking a Thursday, they're pretty much going to book the weekend. What I would try out though is what we just talked about. Maybe you increase the discount for a weekly booking to incentivize more people. Cause you know, Airbnb specifically recently changed up the way they show listings. And so now it's not showing somebody, Hey, here goes your nightly rate, click on this and then hitting them with the cleaning fee. When they click and select their whole time, it's showing them the overall cost of your booking. And so if you increase that weekly discount to where now you're competitive with others, now they start to say, okay, instead of, I don't know, your place being a thousand or your place being 1500 and all the other places being a thousand, Maybe your place is 1100 for that week. The other places are 1000 And now the person looks at your pictures and says, man, this place is way better than this one. Let me book this one for 100 more, right? Something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure. On Airbnb, are you able to – I believe you are I able think to you, do a four-day discount. You can discount, get granular like right? that? I have it. I just stick to that weekly and monthly. But you can get granular on, like, customized days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because if she's, if she's looking for four days, then you can probably have a four-day discount. And maybe that wouldn't incentivize getting those weekends and then kind of have your Friday and Saturday still high, but you could book from Thursday to Monday. I'll give you oh, yeah. 15% off. Oh, yeah. I, have math for it, I so. see a question about the standard place to start with discounts. Before, we were at 10% for weekly, 15% for monthly. Now we've bumped it up to 25% for monthly. And I think it was at like 18% for weekly. And like we did that this morning and already got – one week long and one month long booking immediately. So it's it pretty good. Any 
Other questions or comments? How's the market in Atlanta looking? How is it selling real estate? The Fed, again, just raised interest by another quarter point, right? But they're signaling that there may be one last rate hike, and then they'll just kind of chill out. And so it's kind of weird. Late last year, when they were still raking it, increasing it by like 0.75, I had a client close, and the interest rate at the highest was like 7.25, right, for an investment property. That being said, just had a client close last week, and this was a personal property, but that rate was closer to 6%, which is, which is good. We're getting close to being under, you know, that 6%. I have somebody that's going through a VA loan right now, and they're getting it at 5.5%. And so rates are starting to settle down a little bit. The properties that are fixed up and ready to rock are still flying off the shelves. I can tell you that there was a fourplex, I think, oh, I just remember supposed to talk to Kareem about this. We didn't, we didn't connect in that, but there was a fourplex that officially got listed three days ago. And we managed two of those units for short-term rental up in Peachtree Corners. And this thing was literally listed for less than 48 hours. It's already under contract. That thing is, that thing is gone. <laughs> so homes like that, they're not lasting whatsoever. It's the homes that need a little bit of work. Or if you start getting down to lower price range that are, you know, kind of sitting there for a little bit. Big bite for me. That's good. Anything else? What's on your mind, everybody? Anything you got? All right, y'all. We are going to cut this one a little bit short. We got a couple guests that are going to be lined up for April that I'm excited about. One in particular, I'm not even going to spoil their story, but they have a very interesting story. I'll send out the message beforehand, but I think you're going to enjoy it and get inspired by it. And so I'm looking forward to continuing to see you guys join the call, continuing to collaborate and really see everybody's success stories as we move through 2023. And I have no doubt that April is going to be an awesome kickoff to the second quarter. And I look forward to seeing everybody next week. 